Welcome back to another episode of Asian Wander Woman. I'm Emily. I'm Ivy. And today we're going to be talking about what it's like being Asian outside of our home country and in Asia. So to kick things off, I think it'd be really great to talk about our own backgrounds and how we identify ourselves, how we grew up. For me, I identify as Taiwanese American. My parents immigrated from Taiwan to the States. I've spent my summers in Taiwan learning cultural immersion programs, spending time with family and whatnot, but the majority of the time was spent in California. I speak English most of the time, and my Mandarin is like kind of the level of a third grader, but that's basically how I would kind of characterize like my upbringing and how I identify myself. What about you, Ivy? I think like your Mandarin's better than that of a third grader. You have like a Mandarin really? tattoo on your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I do. I feel like that's like pretty Asian. What does it say? So my parents are Buddhist. It's a saying where it means like observe merits and appreciate kindness. So to me, it's like carrying this tattoo on my back is like I don't do evil to others. I appreciate other people for who they are and like the good parts of them. That's what it means. Oh, to be fair, I also have a tattoo of an Asian word on my body. <laughs> no, you definitely know this. I got it in 2017 when we we're both in SF. Uh -huh. It shows when I'm wearing my bathing suit. It's on my right hip and it's okay. shen, which it seems like that word might be also on your body too. It, it just means kindness. And it's my grandpa's name as well. There's something beautiful about like Chinese words. And that's actually part of what makes me, I think, feel more attached to my culture is because it was my first language. So a bit of background, I was born in China, my parents immigrated to Canada, and I moved when I was four years old. But within the household, we always spoke Chinese. And my parents watched a lot of Asian television and listened to a lot of Asian music. So that's what I listened to growing up as I like did my homework, as we like went through car rides. And so even now I watch way more Asian TV than I do Netflix. And I listen to primarily Asian music. And so I like really resonate with the words. I think the words are a lot more poetic. And therefore, like, I think that's why my tattoos, I would like lean back in maybe with like the first language. I do speak fluent Chinese up to like a certain level. I can't really do business as easily, but it's there. Like people can't really tell that I'm a westernized Asian when I'm in China, if I'm just like ordering food. I would characterize you as a very like well-rounded westernized Asian. Like it's very hard <laughs> to find people who are like, you can both properly speak Mandarin and English at the same level. But for you, like I can't detect, like you could be either or, and you would be like in China and I wouldn't know that you were westernized or vice versa. Yeah. I think I, I like really love that topic because what you just said is what is a well-rounded Asian, right? I think that's yeah. almost like what is this identifier of like what an immigrant Asian who grew up in the West, but like born in the East or like have Eastern influences, like what they should or shouldn't yeah. be like. But I don't necessarily think it's like the way that like you speak or the way that you act and how interacted you are with your culture, but like how much you accept both cultures mm. within yourself. And when I was young, my parents divorced. So like my dad moved back to China and I spent all summer holidays there. And I think what makes me, you know, balanced where I feel a lot more accepted for my like, like accepting of like both sides of me is because every year when I go back, my parents would actually send me to summer camps and I did internships as I got older when I was in China. So I took like an SAT prep course in Beijing with a bunch of Chinese high school <laughs> students. And you might ask why, but it's because Chinese people really know how to take tests. And yeah. so my parents sent me there to learn test taking strategies for the SAT. But what was cool in China, like, you know, as a kid, you want to blend in with everyone. And what was cool there was not cool in 
America and being like Fobby in like high school was like not cool, but the same things were cool in China. And so I think I got to see both sides and I was made fun of like, cause my Chinese just wasn't as good. Like I talked like my grandma, like I didn't know any cool colloquialism, fun teenage terms. So I think it's like trying to adapt to both and seeing both sides that really helped me. What about you? Like, how do you feel about like your Asian side? Cause I'm sure we've all gone through the experiences of like kids making fun of our lunches for like smelling yeah. weird, you know, if you I grew would... up in primarily like white communities. Yeah. I would also like add just to like the idea of like being well-rounded. It's like being able to thrive wherever you're planted. And also like, again, like to, to your point of like embracing wherever you go to my point, like I think growing up, I was that kid growing up in a very like predominantly like white society in like Los Angeles like we lived by the beach it was cool to go surfing to go running to get tans like if you see old photos of me like I was like burnt to a crisp right like my hair was like dyed like <laughs> it's just like very very Americanized I would say and I disassociated with being like Chinese and I would go to Chinese Saturday school I didn't want to attend these classes I thought they were a complete waste of my time and I spent hours just talking with my friends in the bathroom and I wouldn't attend class. But it wasn't until I believe like when I went to college, I would talk to my grandparents online, which is what we use in Taiwan, the app for video chatting. And I couldn't speak with them. And it was just really difficult and frustrating and kind of sad. And so I had the opportunity to study abroad in Beijing. So I went to Beida, Peking University. It's like the number one university, all of China. And it was very easy for Americans to go into this program. But I saw how hardworking like my Chinese counterparts were like, they were like the top tier of like their cities. They like studied so hard and so aggressively. And I think it just like opened my eyes to the world, like of how privileged I was sometimes. And that year I studied really hard and I started talking, like had a Beijing accent. Like I had the er and like, and then every opportunity I had, I tried to go back to Taiwan to like you know, see my parents or like pick up Mandarin. So I'm not as good as you are, Ivy, for Mandarin, but I think I turned around and I was like, I actually care. Like I want to try and care. It's been interesting, like going through this journey. So going back to the point of like, you know, us being Asian, Westernized Asians, like you've traveled a lot to a bunch of different places beyond Asia, uh, beyond Canada and the States. Like what was it like for you to travel to these places where you treated differently? Like, do you have any like stories you want to share? There's definitely a bigger culture shock when you travel outside of an English speaking place because I speak fluent English. As soon as I open my mouth, they know where I'm from. Most places, M most people do. When I'm in Asia, I can kind of blend in. People think I might look Korean. I'm in Japan right now. I got this like super J Japanese haircut. I blend in with like all the girls here. I asked for a westernized haircut that looked kind of messy, but they still you know, gave me bangs and I good. look like every other Japanese woman on the subway you look right kawaii. now. <laughs> kawaii. <laughs> Tell us apart. Yeah. So people give you this almost like benefit of the doubt or like they welcome you in slightly more. They don't look at you a certain way. I think there's still a lot of prejudices and I think it happens primarily to my friends in Dubai. And I think Dubai is like a really good example because I have a lot of friends who are Pakistani, um, Indian, et cetera. And there's a lot of blue collar workers, like construction workers, security guards, et cetera, in Dubai. And my friends go there and they just have to start speaking in fluent English, like British or American English right away. Or, and then immediately the vibe just changes. And it's really kind of sad to see like how people are, are treated in certain places. But for me as like a East Asian female, I would say the place where I felt the most like a duck out of water is in South America, <laughs> because I think 
Chinese people might go to the Middle East a little bit more than mm. like South America. It, it's further. Everyone only speaks Spanish and there's just so few Asians. That, Asians are almost seen as like exotic there, which I feel like is even worse than in some, not even worse, just like, like a weirder ignored. feeling for me. Kind of like in other places, they try to like ni hao me, right? Like, or, right. or like they're kind of like, oh yeah, you're like from China and like they've seen people that look yeah. like me. They don't, they don't see as many american like westernized asians or whatever like american or british or like european asians they treat me a certain way but then in south america it's like they just don't see any like asians <laughs> in general it's, it's a bit weird and i feel like i just you don't see any asians not even tourists so it definitely is like a little bit more of a culture shock like i feel slightly less comfortable and it makes me realize how difficult it is to function in a society when no one looks like you yeah. What about you? I think for me, so I haven't gone to like faraway places beyond like Asia and like, you know, the US and Canada, like, like you have, like I haven't gone to like South America or like places in Africa, et cetera. Right. Like I'm kind of stayed within what I like, which is like just Asia. <laughs> I think for me, I've recognized the privilege I have being Americanized, especially in Singapore. In Singapore, you have people from all walks of background. But again, like if you have a certain accent and you speak like an American or an Australian, you're almost like put on a pedestal. Like you're like, oh, you, you must be more highly educated. You must have more disposable income. You must, you know, have a very good background to like be able to work here. And so there's certain privileges that you get treated with a level of respect. There are blue collared workers as well coming from like neighboring countries of like Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, Philippines. It's different. There's kind of like this society that lives one without the other. And if you live downtown, you never really like see that part of like, you know, what it's like for blue collared workers. So I think that privilege is real. And I think I've spoken to a lot of friends who are from Vietnam who work in tech, right? Or like who are from Japan and work in tech. It's harder for them. Like it's so much more competitive. And it's gotten to the point where like even Singaporeans I've talked to, they change their accent to sound American because you know how they have like a law or they sound Singaporean or they speak Singlish. So I think recognizing that privilege was like, I need to keep myself sometimes in check and um, I think it's it's important to help others who like they want to break into tech, like give them advice and support them in where they can. But we definitely have privileges like that. So like speaking of privileges as well, like there's a terminology as well that people use for like immigrants versus like expats. Do you think we should label ourselves differently? Though we label ourselves as like nomads, but are we also immigrants? Are we expats? Like at what point do we change the definitions of these terms and how do we be more socially conscious? when traveling. Okay, 100%. Oh my gosh, I have so many Hard. things to add. I'm going to answer that question first of like expats versus immigrants. Yeah. For some reason, immigrant, the term immigrant is more used for people who come from a universally less desirable place to live or something yeah. like that, right? Like what pe people assume. I honestly think the wealthy in like anywhere in the world live way better than the upper middle class, let's say even in America or something, right? So like it's more of a, you are wanting to go somewhere to create like a better life. That's like traditionally what immigrant, what our parents were like. And then expats are like people who, who are primarily white. I like when I think of an expat that are like white and they go to a country for like work purposes. But now we're seeing a ton of white people or like nomads, no matter what color, go to a place to search for a better living because it's yeah. like more convenient there cost of living is cheaper. There might even be more emerging market opportunities that's more interesting. Yet it's no longer an immigration. They call themselves expats. In Japan, I've heard of people who've been here for 10 plus years 
and don't even speak Japanese still. And they're considering themselves expats, but they're fully immigrated here. You know, they don't plan on leaving. They have kids in the school system. The kids probably speak some Japanese, but they don't even bother. It just brings back like old memories of like our parents really needing to like adapt to the culture of Canada and the US in order to like mesh well. There's no one to accommodate you if you don't speak good English. But here, all these Asian countries, there's things to accommodate people who speak English. And because English is more of a universal language, that actually brings me to the point where you're saying that like, oh, it's so much harder, right, for people to work if they don't speak Americanized or British or Australian, probably English. And I see that too amongst like my Japanese friends. While I'm in Japan, there's just higher paying roles if you speak good English. It's easier to move abroad because there's always like a need for English speakers. And there's just because of that, because the society kind of works that way, because there is demand, right, for it, because spending power of travel is in people who speak English. So there's demand everywhere. But there's just this shame in being you know, Asian or like from a different country. I think that's what like almost taking it for full circle, why I feel like I carry less shame, like someone who grew up in Canada and the US is because China, when I went back, has evolved in a way where like they actually look down on people like me who don't speak as well Chinese. Mm. And they're like, why are you, why did you betray your country? Kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you should, and I'm like, wait, you should have some like pride, right? Like yeah. you need that like, country pride and i'm hoping that like more countries do that but then for some reason like especially i would say like south southeast asians even in the asia hemisphere like when they go to east asian countries there just seems to be like this old world leveling of where privilege lies and how mm. educated someone is how much you should give them the benefit of the doubt and there's like a lot of shame carried with that because you, they start to believe it themselves that they're like less valued and like what their culture is not as good or as strong etc when it's just the global north, global south kind of situation. If you are looking to move abroad and live in different places, we share a lot of visa information that digital nomads, expats, or immigrants um, can apply for to live in different places. In our newsletter, you can check it out at asianwanderwoman.substack.com or on our website, asianwanderwoman.com. So I'd love to know, Emily, like whether you have felt shame in like your Asian identity anywhere in the world, whether it be in the U.S., in Singapore, where you lived as a westernization, which I think you felt mostly privileged, but then maybe somewhere else in your travels. Yeah, I definitely feel like I context switch with people and places. So I think back in the States, I hold a very different persona, like working in tech, working in Silicon Valley. I feel like I'm a lot more type A, a little bit more aggressive. I get things done a lot faster when I'm working with like my manager or like my team, because that's like the persona that you need to have in the Bay Area sometimes, especially like if you're working in a very white male dominated team or company. So that's the persona I would take. In Singapore, it was interesting because I felt like I picked up Singlish and I would use that with my Singaporean counterparts to fit in with them, to get them to feel more at ease with me when I'm like working with them. But I would naturally also find like Americans in Singapore and I would kind of just like revert back to like my Californian self using the same slang or talking about like the same like cultural nuances um, as Americans. Now that I'm in Taiwan, I feel that Again, there is like that need to kind of integrate into this society. So like even my Mandarin is starting to sound more Taiwanese. It's more like she, you know, it's like more like softer and like, like kinder. I think I stopped carrying shame once I went to Peking University, just because being able to see like the caliber of like those students, like how they carry themselves, how smart and educated 
they were and how worldly they were, I was like, I don't need to be an uneducated American. <laughs> and so I think I left that shame in college. And now I'm like, I'm proud to be able to say that I've been to all these places and I can speak Mandarin. But I think for you, like you don't carry that shame at all, right? Like, I mean, like it, it happens once in a while of like, I'm just surprised when someone else says, oh, what? Like you primarily like watch Asian TV and listen to Asian music. Uh... Like that's not cool right like because I, I went to a very white like university and like an Asian told me this she's from China like she is terrible at Chinese and like you don't embrace it and I almost think that's what a waste right of um, like you're able to connect with so many more people and understand so much more history and to appreciate different types of art and culture and like explanations of things like what what a privilege to be able to have both versus just rejecting one or the other yeah. Yeah. I will say some people are like that just because of like the societies they grew up in. So it's not just like, you know, at home, it's more like the external pressures. Again, like going back to the, oh, your, your food smells or like, oh, you cut your hair weird. Your clothes are strange. It's like things like that. So I think in general, like it's okay to carry the shame, but the way that you use it and the way that you process it is really up to you. What advice would you give to those who may carry the shame and are trying to get out of it? I think that like even at the beginning of starting this group, I don't know whether you remember this, but I was hesitant of making it Asian wander women or like Asian female nomads. I wanted to do something that wasn't, I don't know, like I, I, I even wasn't fully comfortable to be like, this is something I created and I identify as Asian so much when I've been pushing that away. Like I don't want to be seen as just Asian. And so I never like wanted to be labeled that because clearly I'm Asian. Like you can look at me and that's just like always naturally going to be one of my labels, but I didn't want it necessarily to be something that I create, but I really leaned into it more as I saw, like I think in Asian Hustle Network, Asian Boss Girl, some of these like parallel communities to ours of people really embracing and celebrating like products they were launching that were Asian inspired, like a drink that was based on, you know, the convenience store, Asian drinks, like lychee, but alcoholic. I think it's called Lunar. I met the founder in New York and like, like you can create so much better to be in that middle and that mesh. So I would say biggest piece of advice is just to surround yourself with people who also embrace it and like seize the benefits not not necessarily benefit like just feel more in tune and connected because that helps and inspires you to feel like it's okay and there's a lot that we can all gain from being that bridge between two cultures yeah what about you yeah i love that i think being identified as asian especially with our community i think the struggles and the cultural nuances that we have like growing up as a household the things that we go through are similar so i think i was proud of us to be able to be in like this niche little space and to be able to talk about these things so openly with people who understood what we went through as, you know, children and young adults and like now currently like professionals. So I loved that authenticity and like the genuineness of like our conversations when we had these discussions, because it's hard to do that like out in the open, especially like since when we were young, we were kind of taught to not openly share emotions. It was just like not really part of what we had growing up. But I think I lean into it very strongly. And I think one of the best ways to lean into this as well is just to find similar people, learn more about them and like where they came from and keep an open mind. I think just to, you know, like also round out this podcast as well. I think my general advice, again, would just be to lean into it more, to find people who are uh, similar to you and to like support people within those communities and not just like your own communities, but other communities as well, just to like check them out and like learn from them. I think this rounds out our conversation. It was a great conversation. Um, I think we'll see you guys in the next episode then. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.
I'm the baddest chick. Time not a stick. 